You may not be very happy about the way your Philadelphia Phillies are playing baseball right now, but if you look over in AAA at the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, nine straight wins, first place, Dylan Cousins, hitting home runs that break records. We'll talk about him, the Reading Fighting Phils, more prospect talk, and so much more this week on the Phillies Nation Podcast, episode number eight. Yo, Phillies Nation, welcome to the Phillies Nation Podcast. This is episode number eight. My name is Tim Malcolm. I'm the editorial director of philliesnation.com. philliesnation.com is where you can find Phillies news, rumors, information, analysis, and more. Go to facebook.com slash philliesnation for more stories and photos, retrospectives, throwbacks, so much more fun. Go to our Twitter page, at Phillies Nation. Follow us during games or whenever you can and get really uh, progressively self-destructive tweets during Phillies games. I feel like the gifts are getting much and much uh, more melancholy as we keep going here. But at Phillies Nation, follow us, please, on Twitter. Go to Instagram, at Phillies Nation underscore, for photos of games, tailgates, Phillies in the wild, so much more fun stuff. Throwback Thursday and all that other good stuff. Subscribe to this podcast, please. You can find it on iTunes and SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, and TuneIn Radio. You can also find it on YouTube at youtube.com slash philliesnation. Please subscribe to the podcast. Give us a good rating. We'd love to hear your comments because we want to always work on things. And this podcast is a day late, but not a buck short. Had a little bit of a technical difficulty in getting this up, but thank you for your patience. Uh, We have a really good show on tap for you today. I feel like we should talk some prospects. We've uh, kind of beaten around the bush a little bit, done a little bit here and there, but we have a really good show lined up about some of the great stuff happening in the Phillies organization as a whole, and they're playing really well. Most, if not all, the teams are in first place or right near first place in their respective divisions. They're all over 500. And the prospects that we're watching, many of them are playing very, very well. We're going to talk a little bit with Mike Ventola, who is the PR and radio voice of the Reading Fightin' Phils. He'll talk about, obviously, Scott Kingery, who he really is gloating about, and I think it's no surprise that everybody really likes what he's doing on the field. He's having a good year in Reading. We'll talk about Carlos Toshi, who's having a good season there as well, and Andrew Poulin, who's playing really well, very good hitter, the kind of guy that, you know, he's been with the fighting Phils now for basically a full year. He started with them last season, midseason. Kind of at a point now where Pullen, I think, should be ready for a call up to AAA. Defense a little bit lacking, but certainly the hitting is there. The problem is his development is hindered by the development of the guys in AAA. And we'll talk to Corey Sharp of philliesnation.com about those iron pigs and some of the prospects there. He spoke with two of them that are very much of interest to us, Dylan Cousins and Nick Williams. And had some great stuff to talk about with them. Both players starting out the season in their own respective ways. A little bit colder, but Williams has been getting himself going. Cousins really hitting hot in the month of May. Had an amazing home run on Sunday night in the second game of a doubleheader for Lehigh Valley. So he's getting himself going. One of the co-leaders in home runs in the International League. All good stuff. So Corey will talk about that. It's been... A really tough week, two weeks, three weeks for the Phillies, and we can talk about the losses, but I did want to start with the big news of the week, 
which we found out on Thursday, as the Phillies were getting ready for their Phillies festival to fight ALS. They had an off day. We weren't really thinking about too much going on. The Joaquin Benoit news came out Wednesday night in a Thursday where he expressed frustration with how the bullpen was being handled, especially in the Seattle series. Benoit comes in in the seventh inning of a game, gives up a host of runs. Seattle wins the game, sweeps the Phillies in the two-gamer. And Benoit was saying that he didn't know where he belonged in this bullpen. Was he the closer? Was he the eighth inning guy? Was he the seventh inning guy? And we talked a lot about it on the website. I had a piece about it on Thursday morning and Wednesday night, actually. I did two where I think there needs to be communication one way or another. If Pete McCannon wants to say we're going to have set roles in the bullpen, then he should say that and just be consistent. If he's going to change the closer role, then just be consistent and change it and say to the media, I've changed the closer. But if he doesn't want to do that and I don't think he needs to. There's no right or wrong answer here. But if he's going to do one thing, he should just stay consistent with it because these guys, these relievers, are creatures of habit. And a 40-year-old reliever like Joaquin Benoit is certainly a creature of habit. And I feel like he, if he's going to come out and say, hey, communication issue, you got to listen to that. That's a 40-year-old veteran who's been a lot, been around the league so long that I think you should listen to him. He knows what he's talking about. But apparently it's all water under the bridge. And we wrote about it on Wednesday night, Thursday morning. And then on Thursday morning, as the water was starting to kind of trickle under that bridge, the Phillies announced that they had extended Pete McCannon through the 2018 season with an option for 2019. Very interesting timing. I wrote about that on Thursday morning that it's a little bit, a little bit more interesting than you think with the timing. Now, I don't want to put on my tinfoil hat, and I even said that in the piece. We should try not to put on our tinfoil hats all the time here. But it's interesting, right? Right after this first real kerfuffle of the 2017 season in regards to communication with the manager, a manager who apparently has never had communication issues with this team, after that first time, there's the announcement on the extension, the extension that we've been waiting for for months and months and months and months. <laughs> I don't know. I know that there's been a lot of, oh, there's no timing there. It's just coincidental. Da, 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 da. Don't read into it. Da, 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 da. Fine, fine, fine. You could say that. But as fans, I think we have a right to kind of think, oh, maybe there's something else going on there. Maybe the Phillies are looking at McCannon and saying, we want this guy to be our guy. This is the time that we have to announce this thing. They might have already ironed out the details by this point. You know, they could have waited a couple days, whatever. But it is conspicuous. It's okay. It's fine. We're moving past it. And McCann is the manager. That's it. We can't change it. It's what it is. And I think it's actually a good move, right? We got to get past, oh, McCann is not a good game manager. Because here's the thing. This team is not complete yet. The 2017 Phillies are not the team that is going to be competing for a playoff spot. I think we should know by now that this team is not going to be in a playoff competition come August, September. They're not. They're just not that good yet. The starting pitching is still suspect. There's still a lot of questions to answer there. The offense, I think we're starting to answer some questions in the beginning part of the year, which is great because we've been wanting to answer some questions. Aaron Altair is emerging as a real threat that could even be a middle-of-the-order guy, but we have to see more time with him. Cesar Hernandez is continuing to at least keep up that solid play that he had at the end of last year. And while he's settled down a little bit here in the month of May, he's still hitting and getting on base at a good rate. So I think Cesar is someone that we're looking at. Oh, maybe that's a piece for the future. Maybe we can hang on to Cesar Hernandez. So some of the questions are being answered, but this team is nowhere near 
where it needs to be for us to start questioning Pete McCannon's every single move all the time. If I'm going to question something, I'm going to question the communication issue because that is a larger issue that should be addressed. And we should talk about that because every clubhouse needs to have good communication regardless of what team you are, whether you're a 70 win team or a 100 win team. You have to have good communication in the clubhouse or else you're going to become the 2013 Boston Red Sox or whatever, whatever year that was that they completely stumbled. The point is, McCannon is working with half a team right now. He's got good players, and he is responsible with some other people for the development of some of those players. Cesar Hernandez, one. I mean, he has been very good in the last calendar year. Right now, he has a 311 average, a 374 OBP. Those are great numbers. And look, if that guy's your leadoff hitter, that's good. If that guy's your eight hitter, that's awesome. Either way, Cesar Hernandez is doing what he's supposed to do out there. Aaron Altair is having a great start to the season. If he qualified, he would be number three in all of the National League in OPS with a 1-1-4-9. He's right there among guys like Bryce Harper and the amazing Eric Thames right now. He's having a great start to the season. Oduble has been struggling here to start the year. Of course, we know that. We'll talk about that. But his defense has never been better. He was an infielder who had to convert to the outfield on a dime, and he's playing his best defense ever. The bat should come around. Give it time. But Oduble is definitely a player that you can build on. He's a good ball player. And Pete McCannon has something to do with that. Even Cameron Rupp, who I'll be the first to say that the pitch framing is not great. I think the calling can be better. And I think we saw some of that this week in some of the losses. But Cameron Rupp, offensively, he is a second division catcher at the least. He could be a first division offensive catcher. He's hitting 274 with a 367 OBP. He's getting on base at a great rate. 12 walks. 12 walks this year. That's great. He's got a couple extra base hits. He's hitting some doubles. Cameron Rupp has become a decent everyday catcher. He might not be the guy that you can build your franchise on, but even a team that can make the playoffs could potentially have Cameron Rupp behind the plate. Now, I think his probable, like where his peak is going to be is, the guy who catches for maybe a 70, 75, 80 win team at a decent rate, and maybe he'll end up on the bench of a really good team at some point in the future. But for now, Cameron Rupp is doing exactly what he needs to do in his career development. He's doing well. And Pete McKinnon has to be looked at as some of the inspiration behind that. Even some of the pitchers, Hector Neris's emergence as a good shutdown pitcher, you know, even though the bullpen has had problems, he's been a steady rock back there, right? Zach Eflin has been very good upon coming up. Aaron Nola's early early career emergence. I think Nola still has plenty of time to get himself right. The injuries have sucked, but he's going to get better. And I think McCannon has something to do with that, right? All of these young pitchers, we have to see how they continue to develop. And we don't know yet if Pete McCannon is completely responsible for that. So all in all, it's a good move. McCannon is the right guy for the job. He's good to see this young team through. And I think the two years make sense because by the end of 2018, this team should be right around playoff contention. And that's when you really get a sense. Is McCann the right guy for a team that needs to be contending and playing really tough baseball games in July, August, September, or October? That's around the 2018 season. Maybe midseason is where we start to kind of formulate our opinion on McCann as an in-game manager. Right now, yeah, there are definitely some things that we don't love about it, but he's got time to grow and develop in that because he's only been a full-time manager for about two years now. 
what we need to look at right now is the development of these players. The Phillies right now are 165 runs scored, 171 runs allowed. They have lost 21 games. 16 of those losses have been one or two runs. He's keeping the team in the game. The team is playing for him. Matt Klintak said it in his press conference. We have to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's a good manager. He's a good manager. We have a good manager on this team. Give him time. Let's see how these players develop. Let's see what happens in about a year from now, maybe about 14 months from now. Then we can make a real judgment on McCannon's long-term future as a manager for this ball club. But right now, good move for the Phillies. I like what McCannon's doing. Let's talk about how the Phillies are going to turn that around here and maybe get some wins in the next couple weeks. Well, we have seen some really tough baseball recently with the Phillies losing a lot of games to the likes of the Nationals and the Dodgers and the Cubs and the Mariners. Anyway, Corey Sharp is here with us from philliesnation.com. He wrote a piece today on the website about how luck might be changing for your Phillies because they are playing some teams that aren't the Nationals and Dodgers and Cubs and, yes, even the Mariners. Corey, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So the Phils right now have played a lot of good teams. They play the Nationals a lot, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Cubs, obviously. What do you see going forward, though, with this team's schedule? Because you think that the schedule is going to get a little easier for them. It, it definitely does. Um, after this series against the Nationals, I mean, 12 times against them, that, that's pretty absurd. But they're going to Texas for three and then Pittsburgh for three both under 500. Then they come home for Colorado for four, and, and they, they, they're they actually pretty good. So they're I wouldn't count them as a bad team by any stretch. Um, and then they're at home again against Cincinnati, who, who are off to a surprise start, similar to what the Phillies did last year. Um, but, I, I mean, I don't I don't see them keeping, keeping that up. I don't think they have the talent. And then they're at Miami, at home against San Francisco with, without Matt Warner obviously, and then at uh, the Braves for four for their first trip to Atlanta and their new park. But then after that, it gets tough again. So I wrote in the piece that this is the time for the Phillies to strike it if that goal of 500 is still – if that goal is still in reach. Well, let's start Let's start with the two teams that they're facing here coming up, uh, the Rangers and the Pirates. The Rangers are 19 and 20. Uh, they're kind of – they're quite a bit back from Houston for first place in the West. Houston is running away with the American League West right now. And then Pittsburgh, they're dead in last place right now, 16-22. and 22. They are, As you said, the Reds are playing better than them, although I think I'm with you on that. The Reds are not really as good as you think they are. But the Pirates aren't playing very good baseball at all, and it's the offenses you're saying that are not really that strong for these two teams, the Rangers and the Pirates. Right. Texas, I did some research that – it's funny that their average batting average as a team is 28th in the league, but they're scoring runs. They're they're 10th in the league in runs scored and third in the league in home runs. So yeah. it's going to be it's going to be very key for the Phillies to keep their their guys off base. So so their home runs are just solo shots. Because I mean, you, you know they're going to hit home runs against the Phillies. Everybody hits home exactly, runs against the Phillies. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. Keeping keeping them at, le- at least solo shots will keep the Phillies in it, and, and Pittsburgh is just anemic all across the board. 28th in runs scored, 27th in average, and 29 in home runs. So, you know, it, it, like I said, I think it, it's, it's 
stretch for guys like Jared Eikhoff to, to get over his third time through the order demons, um, Vince Velasquez to, to get his pitch count in order, and then, and then the bullpen to, to have their roles defined, uh, much to the satisfaction of Joaquin Benoit. But um, I think this, this could be a good stretch for, for the, at least the offense. To, I'm sorry, the pitching, to, you know, to, to pick it up a little bit here. Well, Jared Eikhoff uh, will have to face Hugh Darvish on Tuesday. That'll be a really fun pitching matchup. And the Phillies actually avoid Cole Hamels, not because they don't get him in the rotation, but Hamels is injured right now. So uh, a very rare thing, but they get to miss the guy who has been such a force for the Phillies for so many years. Uh, the Pirates, it's very interesting. You know, as you said, they're anemic, and everybody was kind of clamoring over the offseason, and not to toot my own horn here, but everybody was clamoring over the offseason about wanting Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, in some sort of a trade. And Andrew McCutcheon right now is not playing well. He's only 211 batting average, 284 OBP. These are things that are strong points for McCutcheon all the time. And five home runs, which, you know, fine, five home runs, but he only has seven other extra base hits so far this year. He's not playing well. I mean, Have you seen McCutcheon at all? I'm just kind of asking you off the cuff here. Have you seen him at all? Not not too much. I know, I know he didn't have a very good year last year. I actually went to a to a game, a couple games last year against Miami, and he grounded into a double play with the bases loaded and one out. And and my, and Pittsburgh, their fans didn't boo him, which I couldn't believe it. So I guess well, he gave them he gave them a lot. He gave them a lot a couple of years back with the playoffs. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I guess he earned earned his notoriety there. But I, I think the decline for him really started last year for him. And um, yeah. he's 30, 30 years old. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not not looking good for him. He's not the MVP he once was. It's surprising in his decline right now because, I mean, the things that have always been there for him, the speed and the defense, they should at least make him a league average player. But right now he's just not really computing in that. Uh, the offense is just nowhere close to where it should be. Hopefully that gets better, but hopefully that happens after the Phillies play the Pirates. Um, <laughs> and then, so you talked about the pitching staffs and how they could have a really nice time here against some bad offenses. What about uh, our offense? Uh, how are these pitching staff stack up for the teams that we're about to face? Well, I think one one uh, stat I, I saw was the strikeouts per nine of all the teams coming up, except Colorado. I did not look at theirs, but all the teams coming up, their they're strikeouts per nine rank 13th or worse in the league, with most of them being obviously the bottom half, yeah, the bottom third of the league. Um so I, I think the Phillies are averaging around four and a half runs a game. So, you know, these guys are going to pitch to contact, and, and you would think the Phillies you know, are, are going to find some holes. So I think it, this is a good good chance for them to improve on on the numbers that they, they have. Yeah, I mean, are there any players in particular that you think might have a nice stretch here coming up? I mean, we kind of hope that – Michael Franco would get going because his line drive rate was pretty high, and it did for a little bit, but now he's kind of cooled back down. And Aaron Altair obviously is on fire. Tommy Joseph has had a nice May. Anybody in particular yeah. that you're looking at in this next stretch and think, oh, this guy might actually get going here? Well, we all hope it's Adubo Herrera. I mean, I don't know. I, the, the game last night um, was not good. I believe he was 0 for 5 uh, with, with a few strikeouts. He didn't He didn't look very good. Um his, his approach, you know, it just looked like he was swinging at everything, and he's certainly one guy that you would hope come comes back um, to, to what he was, and, and and also Cameron Rupp too. He's he's around, I believe, two sixty or two sixty five now, depending on what he does tonight. 
Um, so he, he's really he's starting to to come on. So I I think but I think we're all concerned with Herrera for now, and and hopefully, you know, I'll come back with this stretch. Yeah, I will say I'm not totally concerned with Herrera. He has a nice track record of actually being a good on base, uh, getting on base a lot, and finding the holes. I think uh, he's not finding the holes the way he should right now, and some of that's luck. Uh, but I do think his approach is a little bit off right now, and hopefully that will correct itself. But at the same time, Herrera is providing better defense than he ever has in his career right now. His defense is absolutely <laughs> outstanding in center field. So mm-hmm. if he gives you that kind of defense with hopefully that batting average will correct a little bit and he'll find some holes, you still have your better-than-league average player in center field. And so that's totally fine with me. But you're right. I think we need to see him sort of get back to the O'Double that we know of, and that's every game at least one time he's going to do something that gets him on base and gets him in scoring position. Uh, and that's what we like to see from him. But hopefully he does it here against Texas. I mean, it's the team that drafted him and, and groomed him as an infielder and didn't really work out. And here he is now an all-star and possibly a two-time all-star. We'll see what happens. But it'll be an mm-hmm. interesting stretch for sure. And uh, what do you think? Prediction-wise, you know, do you think that they take Texas, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati coming up here and maybe take uh, more than 500? I, I definitely think they can. I mean, you see that they have Miami and Atlanta there. They, they've handled them pretty well this year. I believe they're undefeated against them, um, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, t- uh, Texas, Texas, I think, will be tough at, at their on the road there. Um, the American League, the Phillies don't really play well against American League teams, but, but Pittsburgh and, and San Francisco aren't good anyway. So I definitely – and then, like I said, Atlanta and Miami, the Phillies have already handled so yeah, I, I definitely think the Phillies can, you know, get back at least within 500. I mean, and when when you're talking 500 with, the, with two wild cards, you know, you never know what can happen. So yeah, I, I definitely think the Phillies can, can 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 get back into it. I think all we're asking for this year is a team that's competitive sometime around July for a deadline, so that we can maybe have something to dream about. So hopefully that happens yep. here with this next stretch against some. Pretty better competition, as you said. Corey Sharp, uh, thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you a little bit later on the podcast. All right. Thank you for having me. While we're waiting for the Phillies to become a team that competes at a playoff level, the teams in the Phillies farm system are all competing at a very high level right now. The Reading Fighting Phils are just a half game back of first place right now in their division. And right now I have with me Michael Ventola. Mike Ventola, who is the... Radio uh, and PR, the radio voice of the Reading Fighting Phils, I should say. Uh, Mike, thanks for coming on the podcast. Tim, my pleasure. So, first off, I've not been to a game at First Energy Stadium. Tell me what it's like to go to the stadium to be at a Reading Fighting Phils game. Well, when fans like yourself who have never been to First Energy Stadium, there's a lot of history. Despite the stadium having been modernized, the stadium was built in 1950 and, um, you know, has really seen a lot over the years and, you know, hasn't always been affiliated with the Phillies. Uh, the Phillies didn't come, uh, didn't become a part of the Reading family until 1967. Before that, Reading was affiliated with the Cleveland Indians and the Boston Red Sox. So, um, but right now, They've been uh, affiliated with one another. And when you come to the ballpark, uh, when you first walk in, I mean, it's a little bit of a carnival setting, um, but all the normal stuff, too, with vendors and 
uh, places you can get food in our team store, things of that nature. But as you make your way out into the stage for bands to perform, humongous seating area. We have our Yingling Hometown Tap Room. Uh, great chance for those of you who uh, like to drink alcohol. Um, and then a little bit further down in our fun land, we also have our Bell of Fame. So, um, you know, that's kind of a big part. Uh, before fans are allowed into the seating bowl when they come in for the uh, when they get a chance to come in uh, for the night, so we have our pool out in right field, our deck area. We also have our 67 club, which is just beyond the third base dugouts, picnic seating. Um, you know, it's a great place to bring groups out. We also have our brand new dugout suite and our Savage 61 Ram Club box seats, which are along the first base side. Great spots as well to watch a game. And then we also have our uh, deck out in left field, Tim. It's uh, Lots of great places to watch the game, and of course, you know, we do our part to keep fans entertained in between innings as well. So, you've been with the Fighting Phils for how long now? This is my fourth season. Okay, so you know a little bit, as you said, the history, the Fight Fighting Phils, uh, the longest relationship with a major league team, I believe, tied for the longest. Um, what is that relationship like between the city of Reading and the organization and the Phillies as a whole? Like, what, what, what is that relationship like, and how strong is it? It's phenomenal. It's as strong as it's ever as it's ever been. Um, you know, Reading has had a lot of success uh, the past few few years on the field and off the field as well too. A lot of high attendance numbers, and obviously right now, you know, who's going to be sent up to Philadelphia? Who's going to be the next wave of guys like Hamels and Utley and Howard and all those guys that were big contributors uh, in their World Series runs and their deep playoff runs? So um, it's about it's a lot of fun right now for me. Guys like me, we're here in the minors. It's as good as a time as it's ever been to be in the minor leagues because uh, the organization is taking such high precedent, um, you know, with the uh, with the minor league affiliates. So, um, you know, that's why right now, uh, you know, even though ultimately you do want to go to Citizens Bank Park and watch the Phillies compete and win the world for the World Series every year, but right now, until you, you know, until the the, the Phillies, um, you know, get to that point, you know, coming to Reading uh, isn't such a bad spot. Sure. We'll get to the team in a second. I want to also talk about some of the things that are happening this year at the ballpark. Uh, we have Shameless Plug, our Phillies Nation trip to Reading on June 11th. That'll be a really fun time, uh, just in time for Father's Day. But also, you guys have a lot of great promotions coming up this year. Any in particular that maybe we should put on our calendars, maybe go out to Reading? Um, Tuesday, June 6th, our gluttony night. It's um, a real fun night, Tim. Uh, you know, uh, not that you ever want to sit and promote one of the seven deadly sins, but it's a mm-hmm. night I figure uh, we can get um, we can get uh, some absolution from the Pope. You know what I mean? It's yeah, totally. uh, uh, where he can allow it just for one night. So uh, uh, for nine bucks, all you can eat, and uh, we may be having a very special guest um, joining us for gluttony night as well too. So someone that Philadelphia has come to know um, this past year. And okay. um, with that as well, too, Tim, um, not only would June 6th be our gluttony night, but uh, June 10th, uh, for any runners out there, anybody that's big into running in marathons, uh, competing, we're going to have a 5K on Saturday, June 10th. Um, it's going to be a color run. For those of you who participate in color runs, then not only with fans who um, enjoy running, um, the practice and prepare for 5Ks, 10Ks, it'll be a 5K, and also, to a chance to run with scissors as well, too. So um, not the real sharp kinds, um, okay. obviously, but uh, kind of more of like the clown-looking ones. But um, I was going to say, know, it's a lot of insurance uh, liability on your end. Absolutely, but we're really excited about it. Um, kind of as we're, you and I were getting a chance to record this on Tuesday, May 16th, um, you're getting to know about it before uh, it's even announced to the public. So um, I 
figured give you guys a little bit of a heads a heads up just because it's we're pretty excited about it. Uh, color runs have always been a lot of fun. You know, I know specifically. You know, when you look on Facebook, whether it's doing a color run for a specific cause, it seems to always get um, a lot of uh, a lot of participants. So, and that's what we're hoping. So, um, we also have. A lot of baseball-related stuff. We have our Hall of Fame induction ceremony on August 15th when Brett Myers, uh, Michael Spadali, and uh, 10-year Major League veteran Rich Delusa, Delusha, who's from uh, the Reading area, we induct, we're inducting those three into our Hall of Fame. So hopefully you and uh, the rest of Phillies Nation can come on out for that night. So uh, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. If you promise that Brett Myers plays a song or two during the induction, we will definitely be there. I from what I from what I'm gathering, he may have his guitar handy. So, uh. <laughs> um, I did want to ask you too about your annual morning game, which is you know fun game. I know for you guys, and this year you have a really awesome promotion gathered for that one. Can you just talk about that? Absolutely. Uh, Monday, August seventh, uh, we play at nine thirty-five in the morning. Uh, um, we've been doing this now for over 15 straight years. I think this is our, either our 16th or 17th straight year doing it. Um, but for one day, we will not be known as the Redding Fighting Phils. We'll be known as the Redding Whoopies. So for those of you who like whoopie pies, mm-hmm. they're delicious. Um, I tend to eat quite a bit. So um, as fans come to the ballpark, we're going to have some free whoopie pies given out. The teams are going to be wearing whoopie pie jerseys and caps. Um, we already we've sold a ton of merchandise. For those of you who have not seen the merchandise, go to fightins.com slash shop. You'll see some of the merchandise. It's been a top seller. Uh, that along with our Harry Potter night on Saturday, August 5th. So, um, but at 9.35 in the morning, um, you know, gates are opening, I think, around 7, 7.30. Wow. Uh, we have our kegs and eggs uh, uh, yeah. happening as well, too. Uh, fans get to walk around the warning track. Um it's great. I mean, for me, for me and the staff, we got to be there by 5 a.m., but, you know, you're kind of running on adrenaline at that point. That's why we play at 2 o'clock the day before, so okay. all of us get a chance to go home and get a good night's sleep. That's nice. That'll be a fun time, though. Uh, kegs and eggs sound great to me, and whoopie pies and hot dogs. And the morning. Are you kidding me? Come on. That, that's, that's the best life. So I expect to see you, Tim. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm, I told my wife, we're coming. We're coming to that game. Good. Or at least me, I'm coming to that game, no matter what. Perfect. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about, first off, you know, you've been with the Fighting Phillies for a number of years now, and I wanted to mention, because we talk about Dylan Cousins later on in the show, but obviously last year you had a front row seat to one of the best spectacles in baseball last year, and that was the Dylan Cousins and Reese Hoskins, you know, home run uh, battle where they each hit, I think, over 40 home runs and uh, were breaking records. And What was that like for you as the radio announcer to actually sit there and watch these guys every night and call those home runs? Well, I figured each night I stepped into the broadcast booth, I'm thinking, all right, at least one of these guys is going to hit a home run tonight. It just seemed like um, every at-bat, you you figured, all right, is this going to be the at-bat where they're Dylan, Reese, or both of them are going to uh, take the opposing pitcher deep? And um, I, I've been telling people, I think that's a once-in-a-20-year type happening. You just don't see that all too often. Too, you know, you see it's more common with just one player to, you know, hit that many home runs, you know, hit as many home runs, but... For two players to do that um, was really impressive. And let's not push aside what Jake Fox did, hitting 22 home runs last year either. Um, But uh, for Reese hitting 38, Dylan hitting 40, uh, Reese tied the single-season home run record. You know, Dylan obviously now has the new single-season home run record uh, for the fight in Phil's. 
Um, you know, their power, both of them, unbelievable. Obviously, Dylan Cousins has, uh, you know, Hulk-sized type power. You know, recently hitting a home run 469 feet at Coca-Cola Park. Yeah. home run hit there in Allentown. So, you know, getting a chance to watch him do that all season long. You know, he, you know, these are two very special players. And to be honest with you, Tim, too, I'm not surprised these guys are having success right away. I know for Dylan now, he's starting to catch up to Reese a little bit. I knew Reese was going to be situated a little bit more sooner than Dylan because I think Reese is a little bit more well-rounded hitter than Dylan. But these two guys right now, um, you know, you're, if they keep playing like this and maintain it for a long period of time, I mean, you kind of know Reese is, you know, knocking on the door in regards to Tommy Joseph. But you look at that outfield situation, you know, Dylan hasn't really been named much of a uh, a guy to be potentially in, uh, you know, that would be even sniffing Philadelphia this year or even in 2018. But sure. he keeps going along this path. Uh, 2019 may become 2018. I, you know, so. Yeah, you can't ignore, you know, a guy in his early to mid-20s hitting you know, 40 home runs or hitting 470-foot blasts. You can't ignore that after a while. Um, let me ask you about the current team, and obviously some really cool players to watch on the field. Every Phillies fan seems to want to hone in on Scott Kingery, though, first and foremost. He is kind of the top draw here in Reading this year. What are you seeing with Scott Kingery? He's having a good year, 287 average, 371 OBP, hitting extra base hits. Tell me what you see about Scott Kingery and what Phillies fans might be excited about. Um, I see a pretty well-rounded player. He's hit more home runs than I would have expected to this point. Um, I like seeing the four triples that he has. I think that shows his ability to uh, uh, that he can run. And, you know, I've seen some pretty good stuff out of him. You know, the seven doubles is nice to see. Uh, the 21 RBI is second on the team right now. Um, you know, I thought that maybe you'd have, you know, someone else besides Andrew Poland with a higher number. You know, you expect Kingery, you know, who has – 31 runs scored, maybe even that number to be a little bit higher. But what Scott Kingery is doing right now, to me, he can't do much more. Um, I know 287, you know, okay, needs to be over 300. I would sit there. But to me, you're you're nitpicking if you're knocking uh, his 287 average at this point because he has a 371 on base and a, a 607 slugging percentage. But when I watch Scott Kingery, Tim, um, I, see a lo- I see a lot of uh, similarities to Chase Utley. Okay. Uh, just in his mindset, in the way he plays, he plays the game extremely hard. He's a blue-collar type player, real nice guy. He may not be as outspoken as Chase Utley or wait, hit for wait, as much. Out, wait, wait, more. He's less outspoken than Chase Utley. Yes, Chase Utley was not outspoken. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. can't get two words out of the guy. <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. He may even be Utley. I'm glad you you saw my. Uh, my, I guess my uh, my joke there, um, you know, Kingery's just really uh, is laid back a kid, um, you know, coming from out west, an Arizona type kid. So, um, you know, when you kind of look at, uh, you know, when I, I when I like to compare those two, but you know, Utley obviously hit for more power. I don't think Kingery will hit for nearly as much power as what Chase Utley did. So, um, but right now he definitely is the most exciting player to watch. Yeah, uh, I think Drew Anderson is starting to kind of challenge him you know with after his last two starts on the mound who's the only yeah only pitcher on the 40 only pitcher or player on the 40-man roster was just named eastern league uh pitcher of the week um but you know when you look at this team right now it's the youngest team in double a you know i know we may not be as exciting with uh players like triple a with lehigh valley or even down in clearwater and lakewood that they've gotten some notoriety but um this team is fun to watch you know and 
this team hasn't even played its best baseball as a collective group because you've had s- some key guys struggle, you know, even to this point. And to be in 1913, Tim, uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, but you also have a couple players on this roster who I think a lot of us prospect heads thought, oh, they're not going to be the top five prospects on the on the organization chart, but they're certainly playing extremely well. And I'm looking at Carlos Tochi and Andrew Pullen, you know, and you mentioned Pullen there. These two guys, you know, put the eye test to, 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 to work here. You know, what do these two guys give you, uh, and are they really major league potential players here? Absolutely. Andrew Pullen has... Uh, shown he could fall out of the bed and hit right away. I mean, this is a guy that, um, you know, hitting 328 with eight homers and 25 RBI, uh, he's fun to watch. And this is a kid that seems like he's just born to hit. And to me, if you're a guy that can be born to hit, um, you know, an organization will find a place for you. His average is, you know, his defense has just been about average at best in left field. Um, you know, he doesn't have a real strong arm throwing. Um, but with that as well, when you watch him at the plate, you figure – He's going to get a hit. You know, it's kind of like with Hoskins and Cousins last year hitting a home run. You know, Andrew Pullen, every time he steps up to the batter's box, you're thinking, all right, this kid's going to get a hit. Even if it's just a single, you figured he's just going to get a hit. Carlos Tochi could play in the major leagues right now. And I say that from a defensive standpoint. Hmm. He's as good as a defensive center fielder as I've seen in my time here. Roman Quinn's probably the, the fastest player I've seen. But Carlos Tochi is the, probably the best defensive player I've seen okay. you know, at a specific position. Um you know, I watch Tochi out there. He just covers a ton of ground. He's got a, got a solid arm. Um, he's made some diving plays. He's done some real nice work. So, uh, but even hitting, he's always hitting 327. You know, people say, well, he doesn't have a home run. Well, you kind of look at him. He's not the strongest guy in the world. But the four doubles, the three triples are nice to see. What I like is the 408 on base percentage. He's, yeah. you know, he has 10 walks right now. Um, he takes deep counts. Uh, so, you know, for Tochi, I think right now his biggest thing is can he put a little meat on them bones and try to get <laughs> try to get a little. Uh, I should be, you know, him. I, I shouldn't be saying that about him because I need to say that about me. So I, <laughs> I, I look, I, I, I look like the crypt creeper. That's how skinny I am. But uh, Tochi, you know, right now he's, uh, at the point where um, if he could start gaining a little bit more muscle, I think that could be uh, beneficial to him. Well, more whoopie pies for both of you guys, I think, would be in order, especially um, for me because uh, well, I'm getting to the point now if I have a uh, uh, a, a whoopie pie. My stomach will jiggle for a straight week. So, uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk about the pitchers. Uh, and you mentioned Drew Anderson and how well he's performing lately. I mean, he actually the peripherals look really good for Drew Anderson. Thirty strikeouts, nine walks. Those are good peripherals. Forget the ERA. Uh, I wanted to mention Tom Eshelman because he was with you guys earlier in the season and pitched well, and then he got promoted to Lehigh Valley. And boy, has he taken off in Lehigh Valley. Uh, what are you seeing from Tom Eshelman when he was with the team this past year? Uh, what kind of pitcher is he? A consistent strike thrower. I mean, this is a guy that over 350 innings in college um, only walked 18 batters. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, you know, is constantly around the strike zone. He's got good stuff. Um, it's not ace-type stuff, but because he's so good around the strike zone, can hit his corners, um, it's allowed him to uh, be very successful uh, here in the professional ranks. And, you know, I was happy to see the International League rewarding him. Um, you know, and kind of giving him some recognition. Um, you know, even the Phillies in their minor league review uh, uh, named him Pitcher of the Week, you know, for his two outstanding starts up at AAA. And I think right now Tom Eshelman's made a case that I know two starts, some people say, Mike, that's very small. I'm not disagreeing with you, but he's earned a right to keep pitching up there in AAA. And I think even if he has one or two bad starts, um, 
not to get rid of him right away and send him back down to double A. So, you know, I think for what Eshelman's doing right now, he's earned his keep. And, you know, and the reason why I think he can have success against those triple A hitters is because he's around the strike zone. But sometimes when you're around the strike zone, Tim, uh, it's a very good thing. But at times, if you make a mistake, then you're really leaving it out over the plate. That's why he gave up six home runs when he was here in Reading. So as long as he can limit um, that type of damage and keep his pitches low, down in the zone, which he's more times than not good at doing, uh, he'll find success. Well, uh, as far as the rest of the pitching staff, you know, there's a couple, it's been up and down, I guess, this year, but the relief pitching has been pretty darn good. Uh, who in that bullpen is worth looking at if you're if you're from afar and saying we need to hone in on a couple guys here? Uh, do do I want to uh, let me start with Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo here? Which yeah. guy do I want to start with first? I see I have a whole slew of guys. Uh, we'll start with Yaxel Rios. Um, you know, right now, 32 strikeouts to just four walks in 21 and a third innings. Just, just four earned runs allowed. Um, for you whip people um, out there, he's got a .70 whip. Opponents are hitting just 153 against him. Uh, he right now, to me, is getting to the point, well, how much longer does he need to prove things here at Double A? And I mean now in all sincerity. His delivery got changed a little bit this year, pitching coach Steve Schrank um, and uh, pitching coordinator Rafael Chavez. Uh, worked with him, you know, and kind of changing his delivery a little bit. It's been the entire difference for him. And, you know, he's getting to the point now where, uh, Tim, I don't know how much longer he needs to be here. You know, I want him to finish out the month of May if he continues to be as good as he is. I expect him to be up in AAA uh, very soon. Uh, Justin Terrian will not be far behind him. He has 31 strikeouts to just three walks yeah. in 20 and two-thirds innings <laughs> and his seven-for-seven seven save opportunities. And for you whip people out there, um, I'm a little bit more old school when it comes to my baseball Uh uh, how I how I decipher guys. I'm not as high on sabermetrics as a lot of young people at my age are. He's got a .48 whip, and opponents are hitting 104 against him. Mm-hmm. So you know what Terry and Rio's doing right now. They are fantastic. A guy I like is a guy that was traded for as a player to be named later when Jimmy Cordero got sent to the Nationals. I'm liking what Mario Sanchez is doing right now. He's, his numbers aren't blowing people away. He has 16 strikeouts in 18 and two thirds innings. And just five walks. But what I like about what Sanchez is doing is he can eat up multiple innings. Um, he's a four-pitch pitcher. He's done some real good stuff. Um, you know, and he's a guy that I think if Terry and, and uh, Rios were to go up at some point, he's a guy that can help, maybe help fill, uh, maybe especially even Yaxel Rios's role, which is going more than just an inning. Um, Alexis Rivero starting to turn it around. 19 strikeouts to four walks in 20 and two-thirds innings in a .87 whip. So... You know, you have some pretty good guys. Miguel Nunez, he struggled. Uh, the walks are killing him. 11 walks in 13 and a third innings, mm-hmm. uh, but six hits. Uh, you know, he's a little inconsistent, but I think once he can, sh- I think he just needs to trust his stuff. And, and once he does that, um, he can kind of eventually get to a, you know, a level where maybe Terry and Rios are at right now. So I, I pretty much almost give you the entire bullpen uh, <laughs> at this point, but that's, uh, the starting rotation has been up and down, but the reason yeah. why the, uh, the Fightins have won 19 games, um, they've hit well, and their bullpen has done, even despite the starters struggling, the bullpen has done their job of putting a lot of zeros up on the board. Having having a good bullpen is something that we, we need to have at some point in the future, so it's good to see that the A team is uh, doing just that. Um, so I know that we'll come to a game this year for sure. We have, again, the June 11th uh, trip 
to Reading uh, for that game, and there's certainly a lot of great opportunities to come out to the ballpark. Um, it's a good team. You know, last question, Mike, you know, where do you see this team finishing this year? If like, huh. if most of these guys kind of stay where they are, you know, and, and nobody really makes any big jumps, where do you see this team finishing? Well, I think this team is certainly going to, you know, even if they lose some guys, because some guys are going to eventually come up from Clearwater, Tim, are going to help keep this team uh, in the playoff hunt. I guess now as we're kind of switching things from a developmental to a win-loss perspective, um, you know, as you mentioned, they're a half game behind the Trenton Thunder. Um, the Yankees right now, their system is so stockpiled with pitching. Um, you know, they're even, you know, they have some good arms down in Tampa. They did just lose, uh, Chance Adams up to, uh, AAA Scranton Wilkes-Barre, so that helps things in regards to the win-loss record, but Trenton still has other capable starters. Um, I mean, you know, I've seen, we've seen the, the, the Red Sox AA team quite a bit, the Portland Seahawks. They have a really good bullpen. Uh, maybe even just a, a notch better than Redding bullpen. Um, they have also had some pretty good. They have also have some pretty good starting pitchers. Uh, Jalen Beeks has torched Redding this year, and he may be the best starter uh, we have seen um, as an opposing pitcher. He's phenomenal, good lefty. You know, uh, I've seen some good things. I know he was a Phillies guy, and most Philly fans don't want to hear this, but the Mets. Double A team, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies have played some good baseball too. We haven't seen them yet, but I've talked to other people that have seen them. They've had a good mix between good hitting, good pitching. So those are the four teams that I think are going to stick in it. Um, you know, but the top two in each division get a chance to go to the playoffs. So you know, for Reading right now, they're kind of right where they need to be here on May 16th. Um, but you know, as you and I, I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk more throughout the year. After the All-Star break, I'll have a much more confident answer whether they're going to probably make the playoffs or not. So, But it's a fun team. You know, I know we this team is not going to nearly hit as many home runs as they did last year, Tim, but if you like good pitching, you like timely hitting, you like a little bit more small ball with the occasional power and some good strong bullpen uh, shutting down teams late in games, come out to First Energy Stadium because this is the team for you. Well, definitely a fun time out at First Energy Stadium to watch the running fight and fills, and we'll get out there this year and then go out there and watch them, fans. If you're uh, listening, please go out and check out the running fight and fills this year. Mike Ventola, the PR and radio voice of the running fight and fills, thanks for coming on the podcast. Tim, thank you so much. Hey, what's better than spending a warm summer evening watching the stars of tomorrow play baseball? Phillies Nation will invade First Energy Stadium to watch Scott Kingery and the Reading Fightins on Sunday, June 11th at 5 p.m. with a fun group outing for fans of all ages. That's right, 5 p.m. Sunday, June 11th. We have the third baseline where tickets are $30 and include a two-and-a-half-hour all-you-can-eat barbecue buffet with ribs, chicken, hot dogs, burgers, mac and cheese, and much more. Plus, this is the perfect Father's Day gift, as the first 2,000 guys will receive a Fightin's Bucket Hat, and all fans are invited to play catch on the field after the game. Come see the future of the Phillies today with Phillies Nation, June 11th, 5 p.m. For details, visit philliesnation.com slash events. Again, it's philliesnation.com slash events. Well, now let's shift things to the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, who are right now playing incredible baseball. They have won nine straight games, a doubleheader sweep on Sunday, 
included in Sunday is a blast that we'll talk about in a second. But I have Corey Sharp with me from philliesnation.com to talk a little bit about the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, in particular two players who we spoke to on Saturday, and those were Nick Williams and Dylan Cousins. So first off, Corey, what was it like to be able to have that opportunity on Saturday? It was great. Uh, I wanted to thank Dynasty Sports and, and our relationship with them to, to allow me to interview those guys. Um, it's always a great time coming out, um, you know, interviewing some guys from the Phillies and those two in particular who were on, on the fast track to, to be here pretty soon. So it was uh, it was good to talk to those guys and see them interact with the fans on, on a much smaller level. So hopefully it will be a lot bigger when, when they get here. Yeah, and they're making their impressions felt right now. Dylan Cousins, uh, first off, you had a piece uh, about him on com on Sunday about how he's changing his approach, it seems, here in May. Uh, in April, he was a little cold, but in May, he's been carrying the cover off the ball, and included in that is a blast on Sunday in the first game of the doubleheader where he hit a ball. It was like 470 feet or something. It was the longest home run in the history of Coca-Cola Park. It cleared the ballpark in center field, an absolute mammoth blast. What did you get from Dylan about his approach and how he's working to kind of fix those mistakes from April and become a better hitter now? Well, he he definitely he made it clear to me that he, he has made some adjustments, mental and physical. Um, I just think it was just getting getting used to the the pitching at AAA. He said that, you know, the triple A pitchers are much more polished than they are at at double A and they just they pitch you very differently. They they pitch you uh smarter. Um so I, I just think it was just you know, get getting the hang of it and, and now you're saying he's kinda he's reaping the benefits of, of his own adjustments and, and like you like you said, he's he's tearing the cover off the ball quite literally. Yeah. Nine home runs right now. Uh he does have a lot of strikeouts, so forty nine. 13 walks, to, though, to go with that. So it looks like he's trying to get on base a little bit more. His OBP is a little bit under 300 still. Um, but th- does it seem like that he's – he's you said he's getting comfortable with the AAA pitching, but does it seem like he's really working on that, that plate approach and being able to take pitches and, and stay deeper into counts? Has, has that kind of become his MO right now? I, I think so because so far in the month of May – He's only struck out nine times, you know, compared to 40 in in April. So it's been nine times. I believe it was today may have been the 12th game of May for them. So, you know, obviously if you you want to be striking out under one time a game, um, but you know, for power hitters it's a little bit different because they're going to strike out. That's that's part of their game. But but it certainly seems like that the hotter that he is, the the less he's striking out. Um, so hopefully those adjustments kind of carry him through the rest of the year to where he's he's striking out less and, and hitting more home runs. Well, speaking of strikeouts, and I'm sorry, this is the transition we have to make to Nick, but uh, Nick Williams, he does not lead the team in strikeouts. That is Dylan who leads the team with 49. And tons of Iron Pigs have a lot of strikeouts. They do swing. Uh, but Nick has 40 strikeouts, at, but he's only walked five times. So that seems to be the issue with him right now. What did you talk about with Nick as, as uh, in regards to his approach at the plate and him getting more comfortable? Because he's been in AAA a little bit now, but it still seems to have that problem with striking out more. And, and you know, is he doing anything on this on his end? Well, he, he's told me that he, he's trying to be more patient. Um, obviously, the, the numbers don't don't support that. You know, but it's funny because because with left-handed pitching, 
he's hitting 297 right now um, compared to 231 he hit last all of last year. So he told me when he goes to face left-handers that he really, you know, in his words, he's playing chess with them. He's really laying off the the outside, low and outside breaking balls, and and he's just said he just has a different mindset against left-handed pitching. He's zoning in more. So I would like him to zone in a little bit more when, when he's facing right-handed pitchers. I think that, that would serve him a lot better, you know. It, just the mindset he has with lefties, if he did it with every pitch, with any pitcher pitching to him, I, yeah, it would it would serve him a lot better, as I said, and and I those numbers would, would boost up. But you know he's got to have that mindset every pitch of every game. Well, the mindset is obviously something that we've really had to talk about in the past. With Nick Williams, it's been following him. The fact that at last year he seemed to be a little bit jumpy as far as wanting to get to the majors. That's what he thought about. You had talked to him about that last year. And now this year, he talked to you and said that this is not what he's doing, correct? He's now not thinking about the majors? Yeah, he, he said whenever those guys, and meaning Matt Klintak and Pete McCannon, whenever those guys think I'm ready, that's when I'll be up. But he said last year, I actually went to a game last year uh, early, early in September when they were in, uh, in the playoffs, and he just said he thought he was going to be called up in September. So that that doesn't – serve you well when when you're still playing on another team obviously the same affiliated affiliation but when you're playing on another team you're not you're thinking when your head's somewhere else you're not going to do well for your current team but right now he said he he, he admitted to it he just thought about it way too much so I think you know like this year he, he's taken a different approach to it and and at least he's, he's doing he's playing pretty well again we would like the discipline, uh, the plate discipline improved, but but um, overall, I think he's he's doing a lot better job of focusing at, at the task at hand. Well, if we had to put timelines on these guys, and we're going to be doing this over the course of the season here at Phillies Nation, but just to put the shotgun question out there for you, if you had to choose between Nick Williams or Dylan Cousins to be the first called up to the, the to the big club in uh, Philadelphia, who do you think it would be? Um. Be Nick Williams. You know, this, this is his second year, and and like I said, he he has a, a different approach coming into this year. Uh, he's already 23, um, so so I think they kind of want to. They, they don't really rush anybody, but they kind of want to get a move on on it with him a little bit. Cousins is still 22. You know, he, he's got a little bit more time, I think, that, than Williams. So with this only being the first month and a half. You know, he has some time to to still work on some things down there. So I I would say Nick Williams. Yeah, well, as we saw in spring training, his defense is definitely very good and one of his strong points. He plays every position, plays them well. His offensive approach in spring training was pretty decent, hit some good balls, some gaffers. So hopefully we'll see him this year, and hopefully we'll see Cousins sooner than later. Both these guys are part of a team that's doing really, really well in Lehigh Valley. So you should go out and see them because they may not ever lose again. Uh, Corey... (laughs) Corey, thanks for coming on the podcast. We'll be talking to you soon. All right. Thank you. I want to thank Corey Sharp for coming on the podcast this week. Also, thanks to Mike Ventola of the Reading Fight and Phils for coming on the podcast and talking about his team. Go out to First Energy Stadium and check out your Reading Fight and Phils. They're playing well. Scott Kingery is playing well. Go visit them this season. Speaking of good prospects, 
How about Roman Quinn? 272 average with a 328 OBP, heating up a little bit more, eight stolen bases. Been caught three times, but nonetheless, Roman is playing better. I do think he's the first one that's called up out of the outfielders if there is a spot to be opened. And that would have to be an injury to an everyday player. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen, but we'd love to see Roman get up there at some point. I think he's the first one if the situation arises. Thanks also to bensound.com for the music of this podcast. Please, if you have music that you want to contribute to this podcast for the opening theme or the bumpers, anything like that, please email me at tim at philliesnation.com or follow me on Twitter at Timothy Malcolm or follow Phillies Nation on Twitter at Phillies Nation and let us know. We'd love to get your music on the podcast. You can find the Phillies Nation podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, Tune in radio and on YouTube at youtube.com slash Phillies Nation. Go to philliesnation.com for all your Phillies news, rumors, and information. And check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Phillies Nation, Twitter at Phillies Nation, and Instagram at Phillies Nation underscore. This has been the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm Tim Malcolm. Let's get some wins this week. See you next week.